it's still pretty cool, you know? Enjoy. Random. Fandom. Random. Fandom. Random. Fandom. Random. Fandom. Random. 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 Fandom. With Brandon. Hey, guys. Welcome to Random Fandom. Hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome to... <laughs> Once again, I'm going to ignore that. Welcome to Random Fandom with Brandon. And Brandon, my name is Brandon. That's weird. Mine is, too. Hey, are you a fan of things at kind of a random pace? I kind of am. We should do a podcast together. I God, I wish we were recording this right now. If only. Oh, you know what would be cool? What? You know the escape pod from episode four where the droids blast out of the Imperial Star Destroyer and it kind of sets off the whole thing? Going right into to nerdness. Okay, What I if like they had head. an escape podcast? <laughs> That's kind of what oh, this yeah. is. Okay. This is okay. escapism. We're celebrating escapism together. We're doing it randomly. I love comic books. I love comic book related things. I love movies. I love... Video games. Chest hair. And yeah. Yeah. Just random things. And all I love talking these, about them. Yeah. All of these wonderful things we decided to... Throw in a pot, stir it up a little bit, uh, add in some crack cocaine and some Red Bull. And Same thing. <laughs> and, uh, and do a podcast for you guys. So welcome to the third episode of Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon. You know, we uh, don't have our sponsors, so this is, this is the time where a normal podcast, a successful podcast, would read off their sponsors. We don't have sponsors yet. Yeah. We've got a lot of things to get into f- today, but none more so important than our fake sponsors. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to read off some fake sponsors. Think of it as sort of a practice here. Absolutely. Um, Brandon, why don't you uh, tell these nice folks about our first fake sponsor? Well, our first fake sponsor is making this podcast possible. And if you guys want to check them out, it would really help us help them. Check out offlinedating.com. It's a website for people who would prefer to meet in person. offlinedating.com. Check them out. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> How did it work for you? Uh, I couldn't find a connection. Weird. Yeah. I guess it worked then. Yeah. Sweet. Wonderful. Another success story. That th- nice testimonial. That's what they call a testimonial in the biz. Our next fake sponsor is BSU. Now that stands for Batman v Superman v U. That's right. No one wins in a fight like this. BSU is a support group for people who have spent the money and spent the time watching Batman v Superman. And this support group is for folks who really need to just sit and talk about it. And there's a lot of them. And there's a, there's a lot that we have to cope with. Strength I, I'm in one numbers. of them. Yeah. Um, I've often heard uh, that Ben Affleck can be seen at some of these meetings because he was one of the most negatively affected by this movie. <laughs> did you see those sad Ben Affleck memes all over the internet afterwards? I did. Yeah. Because I'm on the internet. There you go. Yeah. So uh, they're putting the BS in BSU. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Thank you. What a bunch of BSU. Thank you. That almost sounds like a university. That was the point. So you founded B- BSU, right? I did. Yeah. I am the, uh, you know how there's like the number one fan and that number one fan starts a fan club? Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite end of the spectrum for Batman v Superman. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about us getting into depth as to why we did not like this film, you can retroactively check out our first podcast available on these same interwebs. So that's our fake sponsors. Yep. Thank you very much to our fake sponsors. Be sure to check them out. And I know what you're thinking. They're fake. I can't check them out. Hey, have you ever used the internet? Then you probably checked out fake things. (laughs) 
Yeah. Don't deny it. <laughs> so there is a busy month ahead of us. As of this recording, it's May 1st. A lot of geek stuff coming our way. So let's take a look at what's on the horizon. Brandon, what do you got for us? All right. I'm going to go through a whole list of video games. Let's start off with video games first. Big month um, for video games. In just a few days from when we are recording this, by the time that we actually put this out, this game will be out. Battleborn comes out on May 3rd. Now, this is a Gearbox game. Uh, if you're not familiar, Gearbox has done Borderlands, which we Brandon and Brandon, yeah, Brandon and Brandon, especially and number I two, played a lot. Brandon and Brandon and I, <laughs> we have, when there's three Brandons, all hell breaks loose, all at, bets are off. At Brandon Camp, we met a lot of Brandons. It's so true, it's not surprising. They also did Duke Nukem Forever, which is such a good game. And then we have Uncharted, uh, Uncharted Four coming on May 10th. A Thief's End. Yes. Implying this could be the last one. We'll see. My theory is that his brother dies because his brother's in it. You know. Okay. Uh, That's by Naughty Dog, of course. Great developer. Doom comes out on May 13th. That is Bethesda, which we touched on at a previous uh, podcast. Yeah, our last week's recording. Homefront the Revolution, May 17th. That game is by Deep Silver, who... If you're not familiar, they have done quite a bit of really good stuff. They Mm -hmm. did uh, Dead Island, Saints Row. And uh, two of my favorite shooter games, and I think very unrated titles, especially the second installment, Metro, the Metro series, Last Light and 2033. All of those games I actually found on Games with Gold because of Xbox Live. For free? Every once in a while, you know, they usually kind of give you the just the crummy ones. But every once in a while, there's a full release title that you can find. And all of those games I found... At different times with uh, games with gold. So Xbox does some really good games with gold. So mm-hmm. If you just kind of keep an eye out, check every... It can change. I think it's every two weeks to a month. They usually will leave something on there for about First through the 15th so. and yeah. then 16th through the end exactly. of the month. That's their schedule. Exactly. And then there's one more big one. Overwatch, May 24th. That is by Blizzard, who, of course, we all know has done the Warcraft series and Diablo. And not to mention my personal favorite, StarCraft. I think it would be so cool if they smashed the two together and did Star Warcraft. Hmm. And you got to commandeer Rebel and Imperial fleets. They've probably done something like that. Not Blizzard themselves, but somewhere over the course of all the licensing. I like where your head's at. Thanks. Good. It's close to yours. Because <laughs> we're such friends. It's a good thing we don't do a video podcast because people would be like, why Why are they cuddling right now? This yeah. is so weird. But it really affects the sound quality. That's what it's about. Yeah. We only have one microphone, guys, so um, we just make sure to put it right in between our chests and then hug. Mm-hmm. Between your peck size, my peck size, it like snugs it right in like a nice crescent wrench. <laughs> okay, so those are the video games, at least the more the, popular The big video- ones. Yeah, the yeah. more popular video games, the AAA titles uh, coming in May. Brandon. Yes? Why, why don't you let us know what kind of uh, geeky type movies are coming out? In May. Two to go see in theaters, one to own. Uh, Let's start with the first one. Of course, the big one. It comes out uh, very soon from the time of this recording, May 6th. It's coming out, Captain America Civil War, which is standing at a cool, crisp 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, like we've talked about previously. We put a little stock into the Rotten Tomatoes rating system. They are generally fairly accurate. I find it mostly agreeable. And I'm so excited. We'll definitely be talking about that next recording, given our thoughts and uh, some spoilers and all that. But definitely excited. It's almost here, finally. I'm um, looking forward to seeing Black Panther. Yeah, I know it you finally are. Finally on, on, on screen. It's going to be great. And I'm really excited to see everyone else, too. Both those we've already seen and those we've yet to see. 
and all the surprises in store. And I've been staying spoiler-free, hoping to stay that way up until uh, this coming Friday night. Also, just a few weeks after that, on the other side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, X-Men, May 27th. Very excited for that as well. Apocalypse is coming. And after all the hype and build-up, let's see if it delivers. And then... Have you have you checked any of the reviews on that? Like, do they have early reviews yet? I have not seen any. It's probably too early. It probably is, but I'm sh- assuming probably after Civil War comes and goes, they'll start to be soon following. There's only three weeks in between, so I wonder how much of people who go see Civil War are going to be those same contributors to the box office tolls that go see uh, Apocalypse. Do you think... Uh, you know what? Go ahead and read your 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 third one, and then I'm going to ask this question because it has to do with Marvel. And then general. just formerly in theaters, just I believe this past February 12th, it came out, and just less than three months later, it's already ready for DVD. May 10th, Deadpool arrives on Blu-ray and DVD, and I wait, do wait, not wait, not on VHS. <laughs> How am I going to watch this? It's going to be a challenge. I'll tell you what. You bring your old recorder. We'll hook it up to my DVD player. You hit record on a blank tape. You can still buy those on Amazon, I think, somewhere, right? Yeah. Or at a garage sale. I don't know. I don't have a computer yet. It's weird that we can do this podcast <laughs> then. And then, yeah, Deadpool is out on DVD. I'm excited to see that movie again. I, I used to be all about owning movies when I was younger because I had expendable income, didn't have many bills, was living as a single dude. So I'd spend a lot of my money every week on DVDs because that's what you went and did. And then I realized I had more DVDs in my collection that A, I wasn't watching, and B, were unopened, and I was just buying them to buy them. So nowadays, we all stream. We all yeah, Redbox. I- I but haven't bought in a movie in a long time. I think this would be the one that gets me out of that. Really? Not Star Wars. Star Wars Episode Seven is already out on Blu-ray. I still need to get that. You're right. You're right. So between those two, that's enough for me to actually say, yeah, I actually bought a DVD for the first time in, I don't know, 10 years. But Deadpool, I'm really excited to not only see the movie again, but all the gag reels are going to be hilarious, extra features. Oh, yeah. So it's at least worth a rent, if not maybe an buying it later because i feel like i could really watch that movie enough to justify buying it for how many ever bucks it is yeah it's a good point actually as far as if, if they put it on a blu-ray it's going to have a lot of extra content because blu-rays have the disc space for it mm-hmm. i bet there's a lot of really good uh extra scenes that they left out for time reasons that are probably just they're they're in there for the comedy aspect but took them out because they maybe weren't uh, applicable to the story. Those would actually be really just fun to watch. I agree. So Marvel's all over this month of May. That's Captain America out Friday. X-Men May 27th. Apocalypse releases in theaters. And then Deadpool's out on DVD May 10th. So this brings me to my question. Please. All of all three of those movies that we just talked about, two coming out in theaters, one coming out on DVD and Blu-ray in May, they're all Marvel movies. My question is, are we getting too many comic book based movies in too short of a time or do you think that the public is eating it up and totally willing to ride the whole wave of superhero movies right now i see what you're saying and i think that's a fair question it seemed like when this whole marvel thing started it was just every once in a while you know spider-man kind of came out of nowhere And then every once in a while, we'd have one. And then we got Iron Man, and I think back in 2008, and that slowly started snowballing, but it'd just be like a summertime thing. Now it's like there's Marvel movies coming out quarterly. I don't know, but I feel like eventually it's going to kind of dilute it a little bit um, and make it a little less special. It might be too much before too long, and I think people will be desensitized to it and it just loses the effect. Now, is that... Is that what you think that the rest of the world is feeling? I thought that's... No, that's just my personal opinion. So what you're saying is that to you, 
you're getting a little bit overwhelmed with how many comic book movies that you're seeing. Yeah, I would say that's probably a fair statement and how they're just being released in such close proximity to each other as well. It's like, just let them breathe. By the time one comes out on DVD, we got two more ready to go in the shoot. But See, I kind of see the other end of the spectrum because right now, I think people are just eating up all the comic book movies like nom, 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 nom. And, mm, mm. Pac-Man in it. And, uh, and that kind of shows by the simple fact that Batman v Superman had such a low score across the board, yet... It's been making millions and millions of dollars and blowing the box office away. Well, it also had three years of hype behind it. Sure, but some of the, some of it's the hype, but really it's the fact that people love Batman, people love Superman, people love Wonder Woman, and when you promise to put them together in a movie, then that's that's almost a, a guaranteed money bag right there. And so I kind of see the opposite. I think that I think we're to the point where the world will sooner or later get comic book movie fatigue. That's the right word. Right now, I don't I don't think we're there. I think people are still riding the waves. I think people are still eating it up. Um, but, you know, it reminds me of uh, the old Westerns. You know, there was a time where Westerns were the movie to make. They were guaranteed cash, uh, and everybody loved seeing them. But sooner or later, people started getting a little bit too tired of Westerns. And so now... You know, you almost hardly ever see a Western. And when you do, they're kind of here and there. But I think that's where we're getting with uh, the comic book movies. Is I think that in a couple years' time, I think we'll start to feel that fatigue. Right now, I think we're kind of at its peak. Yeah, that, that burnout sensation you're talking about. I think we've actually seen little glimpses of that here and there. Last summer, I want to say it was, Ant-Man came out to just kind of, eh, box office numbers. Right. You know, it's yeah. like, really, is that the one we want to care about? And I have a feeling that Doctor Strange, as good as it might look, it's just not necessarily a character people identify with a lot. But right. Deadpool, the, on the other hand, is, you know, everyone's kind of sentimental nerd crush, and it killed it at the box office. So just make characters. I mean, I understand you want to represent everyone in the Marvel Universe eventually, but just make characters we care about. I'm sorry, Thor 2, to me, was completely unnecessary. It was I can't even remember it. It was boring. You know what I mean? Thor 2 was... Thor 2? I thought Thor 2 had really good reviews. Name one thing that gave you a boner about it. Thor. Crap. <laughs> You're right. right. Okay, no, it was a good movie. Now that I think about <laughs> him. You checking your text messages? No, I'm, I'm actually looking to see what score Thor 2 got. I wouldn't... I'm not saying this out of any kind of memory. I just don't think it's... Like, if you're looking up at Rotten Tomatoes, I don't think it's anything better than, like, a 65. I mean, ah. What? It's a 66. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> okay, you tricked so, me. You tricked me into that. But I was wrong, so it didn't get very good reviews. 66 is still a uh, tomato? Yeah. Or whatever? It's not rotten. It's technically fresh. It's 60 and over is, is that fresh. what they call it? Fresh? Yeah, okay. But there's varying levels of freshness. <laughs> Excuse me. Like that. I'm so that sorry. was a fresh burp. Ugh, that actually doesn't feel that way on my end. I got to tell you. All right, let's move on. Um, I know. This move is on to what? <laughs> I know this is going to sound like a really weird transition, but let's move away from us talking about movies and let's get into our movie section. <laughs> Makes sense to me. So that's what's on the horizon for May. Now let's get into some movie news about some of the upcoming projects that we want to talk about and hopefully you want to listen to us talk about. First of which, last week we just caught a glimpse of the new trailer 
for the Batman The Killing Joke animated feature, which is unlike most animated features, it is rated R. For I'm excited distur- about that. For disturbing, bloody, violent content, which makes perfect sense. It's The Killing Joke. So, of course, it features heavily the crowned, what's he called? The Clown Prince of Chaos, <laughs> the Joker. Makes sense. He's a violent dude. And I am excited because it's reuniting the two strongest voices for Batman and the Joker. Of course, Kevin Conroy, who's the most famous voice of Batman, at least when it comes to anything animated or video game. And the iconic Mark Hamill, who is a busy dude all of a sudden. So I think that the uh, the Batman killing joke storyline is known to be one of the best Batman storylines throughout the entire comics. So it's a wonder why they've never made this into a movie before. And I think the reason is, is because they'd have to dumb it down so much for main audiences. To keep Batman PG-13. Exactly. Especially by the simple fact that Batman is, as far as uh, the movies and in pop culture goes, it's meant for the young children as well as the adults. And they're finally giving us this story the way it was meant to be told, which is not for children. It's only for adults. Dark. For those who are unfamiliar with the storyline of The Killing Joke, uh, back when, before this comic was written, the writers had asked the readers to call into a certain 1-800 number and let them know whether or not they wanted Robin, who was Jason Todd at the time, to die. And a small majority said yes. I mean, that comic came out in the late 80s. I want to say 87 or 88. I would have been five or six years old. And I just remember that destroyed me. Really? Yeah. And then I remember reading the comics and just how Joker was torturing Robin before he killed him. And it was disturbing. It was it bothered me. Yeah, there's a lot of disturbing things in The Killing Joke. Uh, I'm not going to get into too much of it because since the movie is coming out very soon, I don't want to ruin it for those who aren't totally familiar with the story. But the very, very well-known piece of the story is that the Joker does torture and kill Jason Todd. When I watched the Batman versus Superman movie, and I'm not sure if you remember seeing this, there was Robin's uniform with some spray paint on it that was obviously from the Joker. Oh, the bright neon green stuff? Yeah, saying something like, the joke's on you, ha ha ha, or something like that, right? And that was pretty much telling the audience that all of this that you're seeing in Batman v Superman happened after the killing joke storyline, which when I saw that, I thought, why would you, why would you make one of the greatest storylines that has ever existed in the Batman universe happen in the past and, and be untold by these new series of movies was kind of a missed opportunity. It does seem like it was a missed opportunity and it could be because they're, you know, maybe even, even though that they're going for a darker Batman, they're thinking that this is still too dark sure. for the main audience. But I always thought it was interesting that they wouldn't ever make a movie on this. And so I'm really glad that, granted, it has to be animated, but I'm really glad that they're finally doing this and releasing it to the mainstream audience. And uh, I think the whole point that, from my understanding of The Killing Joke, that Joker is just trying to prove to Batman hey, you're just like me. We're just as insane. We just represent different spectrums. And you could have been just like me, just one bad day away from ending up like this. Two things now that I'll be looking forward to in July. Freedom and independence on 4th (laughs) of July. And then now, the killing joke. I don't know if they have an exact release date, but I did see July is when it's coming out. So in a few short months, actually. That's only two months. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. I forget that it's May already. Yeah. I'm sure that Brandon and I will 
be seeing that as soon as it comes out. And we would love to... And then we'll be talking to you about it. Yeah, we'd love to spoil the shit out of it before you guys see it. Like we're grandparents to a child. That's what grandparents do. You know, grandma's the name, spoiling's the game. Haven't you ever seen that on like a... (laughs) I don't know if they have talking license license plate frames, but you've never seen that license plate? No, what are they or spoiling? Or like number what? one Nana and because they're celebrating their grandkids. Okay, but what are they spoiling? I don't get it. No, not spoiling as in revealing oh. plot lines. Spoiling. <laughs> spoiling the grandkids. Like yeah, it. like buying them crap they don't deserve and telling them, good boy. All right. Yeah, okay. Next <laughs> movie note. Hey, Brandon. Other Brandon. What do you know about Alicia Vikander? Vikander? I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't know anything about her, but that her last so name is kind of cool. It is. It almost reminds me of like a Viking, Viking warrior. That's yeah. what I exactly. I know that she uh, used to date Michael Fassbender. Good for him. Yeah, uh, she is seemingly very in actress right now. She was uh, in Ex Machina. Okay. She was also in The Danish Girl, which just got a little bit of Oscar talk. I think she just won Best Supporting Actress as well. And news came out this week since the last time we recorded that she has been pegged as the new Lara Croft for the new reboot of Tomb Raider. To me... You say Lara? I say Laura. Well, it's L-A-R-A. How is I that know, Laura? but... I mean, in the video games, they say Lara a little bit, but they all have accents, so I don't really take them serious anyway. So she's the new Croft. She's going to be raiding some tombs. I'm looking at some pictures of her right now on Google Images. She does look a little bit Crofty. So you know what actually works for me? They did Angelina Jolie... For the original Tomb Raider movies, very forgettable movies in my opinion. We talked a little bit about sure, uh, but she did she did play the role fairly well, and she did look the part. And I think what is actually working for me is Angelina Jolie was cast as Lara Croft for the first two movies, and that's casting that kind of reminds me of who Lara Croft was in the video games for the first how many of her iterations. And since they've rebooted Tomb Raider the game for the next gen console treatment, and it has had two successful titles, probably a third one coming. This Lara Croft, now that we see in uh, these last two games, is younger. Yep. She's a little tinier frame. She doesn't have the giant heaving bosoms. She looks a little more... Um, Who calls them bosoms? I do, as of this day, henceforth. Um, she's a little more fragile looking, a little more petite. And I think yeah. they're, this gal, Alicia Vikander, Vikander, kind of encapsulates that. Right, we're in a different time now, and the new Lara Croft games that have come out have done a really good job of, of rebooting that whole franchise because it was seen as a dead franchise. There was oh, some, in the water. some very, very bad Tomb Raider video games that came out. And so uh, this these new iterations came out, and people uh, are really giving them a warm welcome and liking these video games. And they're liking the new version of Lara Croft because she is younger, she is more fragile, she gets the shit kicked out of her continuously but she keeps on coming back and you can see her getting stronger and you can see her growth and so if they take that same idea that same style and put it towards these movies i think they got a good winning formula yeah hopefully i put some soul into her and then also we've came across some news that really interest us as huge fans of spider-man yeah especially what they've been able to do cinematically with him and not so much some of the things they've done cinematically with them. So, Brandon, what's what's ahead for Spider-Man? So it looks like Marvel will actually be getting more control over Spider-Man in a future movie called Spider-Man Homecoming that Robert Downey Jr. is actually signed on for as We did well. see that on IMDb. He is in the credits, along with uh, Tom Holland reprising right. uh, his Spider-Man role. And this kid's young, and he's a young Spider-Man. 
Well, it's, it's very much the original comic book version where he's a young teenager still in high school. You know, that 16-ish mm-hmm. age. Um, so the fact that Sony is not giving up on this on the Spider-Man franchise, they still have him by, by legal right. But what they're doing is they're partnering with Marvel and actually giving Marvel the control over it for at least these next two movies, the Captain America one and the new Spider-Man one. And so... I think what it's what's what's great about this is that Sony has kind of said, okay, we've sort of botched this character in the past. Marvel, you're doing amazing things. Take it. We still want to put our name on it, but we're going to give you hopefully the leash, you yes. know, so to speak. Yes. And and they see that it's a win-win. Yes, we're not going to make 100% of the profits. We're going to have to share that a little bit. But if the movie is a good movie that can reprise Spider-Man as this superhero in film again then it's totally worth sony's time to make that happen i mean you talk about poster boys who's a bigger poster boy for marvel than spider-man right over the years and they know and they know especially since spider-man 3 and then the last two attempts at bringing the amazing spider-man yeah yeah, spider-man needs some revival yeah and so like you said all sony had to do was look at what um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing and the treatment their characters get and the interest they're drawing for the majority of those characters. And wow, I want some of that. Yeah. Give me some of that, Sony. Give me some of that. So I think Homecoming might be out in 2017, we saw. I believe so. So, hey, that's good. Wow, great statement. Hey, that's good. That's our new tagline. Spoilers. Good stuff ahead. HTG. Hey, that's good. Oh, nice. Tonight on HTG. <laughs> I can't even say my own stupid <laughs> acronym right. Okay, now um, moving on a little bit away from uh, from movies, we've been we've been focusing a lot about movies. We I have, wanna, we have. I want to focus a little bit on TV shows. Are you ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Okay. TV shows. There's lots of them. Are you watching any of them? <laughs> wow. There's got to be dozens, literally dozens of TV On shows. On any out given there. day. Talking about TV, last week we talked about what we're watching currently and why. This week we're going to tell you actually about what we're not watching and why we're not watching it as it relates to televised geekiness. And it's a pretty long list, I got to say, but let's just focus in on a few specifically, at least this week. First of which, Gotham. I am not watching Gotham. I tried. I gave season one a full watch and I just could not relate to the characters. That's not believable. And I think my biggest gripe without getting too far into it is the guy from the OC plays Commissioner Gordon. I'm sorry. He doesn't work for me as a young Commissioner Gordon. It's just not believable to me. It's slow. And another big complaint I have is how is it Gotham without Batman? I get they show Bruce Wayne as a child and developing through different crime lords rise to fame and whatnot, but Gotham implies to me Batman. And it just, it seems like a cheap imitation of other forms of Gotham lore. And I just don't like it. What do you think, Other Brandon? So I'm fairly caught up in this. Okay. Um, up to the current season, but I did stop watching it about five or six episodes ago. Because, like you, I just couldn't care anymore. Um, I agree with you that uh, Commissioner Gordon, the actor that plays him, I I actually feel like he's just such a bad actor. And he's not, 
he doesn't have that that charisma that makes you want to continue watching and and that carries the story his partner on the other hand harvey bullock uh i don't remember the actor's name but i i actually think that he has the charisma to keep something going but the story is not focusing on him enough so they try to pull in all of these villains and none of the villains seem to work the sad thing is is the only villain out of all of the villains in the gotham show that i actually enjoyed was the little redhead kid that was playing joker I didn't get to see him. I had already checked it, out. It by was that in point. like second season. I think they call it Rise of the Villains. Mm-hmm. His incantation of the Joker was creepy, and you can see the seeds of the Joker so well. That's cool in this character, and then he dies. Nice. And then yeah, so they killed off the only villain out of all of them that I actually liked. Yeah, the rest are not very memorable. Well, yeah, and, and there's certain ones like the Penguin, which they focus so much on, but his weird nervous texts just get to me, and, and it kind of bugs me. A la Lex Luthor and Jesse Eisenberg? Yes, exactly. For sure. So let's move on from Gotham. Uh, the next one we are not watching is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Brandon, have you watched this at all? I've heard so many negative things, I have yet to even launch. Let me tell you a few more negative things. Oh, please, yeah. Because I actually did start watching this, and... Near the end of the first, well, about halfway through this first season, I had to give it up because I felt like every single time I watched it, it was lazy, boring story writing and the acting from who would otherwise be good actors were not given the chance to be good. And so there was nothing that was gripping enough for me to keep keep going on this. So I gave it a try. It was writing off the coattails of Arrow and Flash on the WB but couldn't deliver anywhere near what Arrow and Flash is delivering. And a third show that probably was one of the ones that I think really helped reinvigorate uh, comics on back on network television, because mm-hmm. I think it's in its third or fourth season now, is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. A lot of people still like this show. I got to say, right from the, the word go, this show did not pull me in. To me, this is like getting excited about the farm team or the, the B-Squad Right from the word go, I got really bummed out because I think they did a really lazy thing by bringing Agent Coulson back. Oh, I was dead, but I had surgeries. And Nick Fury spent millions of dollars and moved heaven and earth to try to get me back to life. He was dead. And it actually made such a good plot point for the Avengers. And then, oh, wait, no, I'm magically back. It's just like, no, you don't get to do that for the sake of starting a television show. So from the word go, that really bothered me. And what currently bothers me about the show is it looks like, just in the way they're writing and the way it's portrayed on on the screen, it looks like they're running out of ideas. Yeah, I you know what I really liked about this show when it first started, though? I actually really liked how the show was meant to fill in a few of the gaps Some to the movies. And I thought that was such a great idea. I, I agree I with that. I thought it was such a great idea where in the Age of Ultron movie, um, this giant like helicarrier floats up to where the city was when the city was being floated in the air. God, it was not a great movie. No, um, so I'm not going to explain why all this happened. And um, I remember thinking, wait, where did S.H.I.E.L.D. come from? Where did they get this helicarrier? I thought S.H.I.E.L.D. was all kaput. And then watching the show, a little bit after the Age of Ultron movie came out, they showed that they had this helicarrier and they showed that S.H.I.E.L.D. was still there and it filled in the gap to, to all those questions that one might have asked when watching Age of Ultron. 
And I like that. I thought that was such a great idea. That, in my opinion, is good storytelling. The only problem is the execution of the storytelling was not enough to keep me engaged. Um, I do think they needed to go a little bit bigger. I think they needed to go one step higher on the action. But the writing didn't seem to grip me like I wanted it to. I agree. And I realize that's because you've got multiple episodes in a season, so it has to be more drawn out. In my opinion, don't draw out a storyline. Put more into it. Yeah, and I think just one last thing, and then we'll move on. But to me, these guys are the complement to the main players, main players being the actual superheroes, the actual mutants, what have you. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and any other installment, at least as it goes to the movies, they're the extras. They're just not even necessarily credited. So it's hard to get excited about someone who doesn't matter in the bigger picture. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. I totally hear you. And the only person that really, to me, matters from S.H.I.E.L.D., aside from Agent Coulson, is, of course, Samuel L. Jackson, (laughs) a.k.a. Uh, I'm tired of these motherfucking superheroes on this motherfucking helicarrier. I actually saw a radio at a radio edit, a made for TV version of that film. And it was like one o'clock in the morning on USA. And you know what the, uh, the edit was? I'm tired of these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday (laughs) through Friday plane. I love when snakes fight monkeys (laughs) on this Monday (laughs) through Friday plane. I love that. Monday through Friday plane. How sweet would it be to have a job where you just actually make radio and TV edits. Like I remember uh, National Lampoon's Vacation when he uh, Clark Griswold gets pulled over because he was accidentally dragging his um, dog or his mother-in-law's dog and she was tied, her dead body was tied to the top in the launcher. You need to go back and watch the movie if you're not remembering this. <laughs> I don't remember. But the cop pulls him over and says, do you have any idea why I pulled you over? You, st- dis- or, you sick son of a bitch. Right? And that was the movie line. I saw an edit to that and he goes, do you have any idea why I pulled you over, you statistic bum? <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, I want to re- I want to be that guy that gets to redo it. Mm. So that's what we think about what we're not watching. If you disagree, well, hey, cool. Let us know what you think at randomfandomcast at gmail.com or find us on the Twitter. We're at Twitter at, oh, hamburgers, what is it? <laughs> at randomfandomwbb. So Brandon just um, said a really bad curse word. But we radio edited it and put hamburgers in it. You didn't even notice, right? (laughs) Right. Seamless. We radio podcast edited it. (laughs) Hey, let's move on to something we know and love and you do too. It's time to talk about video games. games. So Brandon, what are you currently playing? Uh, Well, I want to talk about the game that I just now beat, Firewatch. On your PC? Yes. You steamed it. I steamed the hell out of it. And it was steaming hot. It was a steaming pile of great game. Is that? <laughs> yeah, thing? no, that's great. Okay. No, it was great. Uh, Firewatch is created by uh, a company called Campo Santo, which is actually a San Francisco-based company, Correct. which is right in our backyard. We are in northern, uh, we're in the North Bay right. in Northern California, um, about an hour away from San Francisco. The creator of the game, or one of the, the co-creator of the game, is from Petaluma, which is where we are from. We're from. We should get him on sometime. See if he wants to talk about Ooh. it. We're kind of a small deal, and he's kind of a big deal. But we'll see what we can Let's do. Let's meet middle and be medium sized. But I want to, yeah, I want to talk about Firewatch because um, it's different than any other game 
that you really see out there right now. I've heard it's very adult oriented, not necessarily in content or like nudity or anything like that gets a movie an R rated, but it's a game for adults. It's thought provoking. It's very story driven. Would you say those things seem to be pretty true? Having played it and finished it? Firewatch is definitely a story driven game. Firewatch is unlike all of the other AAA games that are out right now. So often the AAA games are going to focus on nonstop action and explosions. I mean, just looking at uh, something like Call of Duty or looking at something like even Fallout, which I love Fallout, but there's just a lot of gunplay, a lot of killing. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of action oriented, and it's very quest driven. Yeah, some of these games you're yeah, referring to. Are. It's a it's a very action oriented game. Firewatch is the complete opposite. Firewatch focuses solely on story. And the gameplay is very, very minimal. Um, it's well. First off, when it starts, it has one of the simplest yet most effective beginning sequences that I have ever seen in a game. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody because experiencing that that beginning is in itself. It's kind of this weird emotion that you start to feel, and it's it's wonderful. It's nothing but text at the beginning, telling you a little bit of a background. But in this text, you start to feel something. And I was like, wow, what a great way to start a game. Before showing almost any visuals, before you can even start to control anything, you have already completely bought into this main character's story. And so what you're saying, you know, I haven't played it, but for more than a few minutes, I've watched you play it a little bit. Uh, it does seem like the, the purveying thought is it is a very emotional game as well. And it's thematic it and there's a lot to resonate with. And that's so cool because the uh, the co-founder of Campo Santo and the co-creator of this game that you just referenced, um, I found out from doing a little research, he actually used to work for Telltale Games, which, as we know, has one of the most emotional games of all time. Yeah, they're in, very story-driven. Yeah, but The Walking Dead specifically, uh, season one was a gut-wrenching experience, very emotional. Yep. So I'm excited to know that there's some transference into this game. It's similar in a lot of ways. It takes the first-person perspective that you would get out of a normal um, AAA first-person shooter style, right? but it loses all of the shooters aspect to it, and it makes it that same story-driven game that you would get out of a Telltale game uh, with really, really great voice acting by literally only two characters. All you really hear throughout the entire game are these two characters back and forth over a radio. So I, I'm not going to go into any detail about the video game because I, I think this is one of those video games that everybody should experience and everybody should go into it with a little bit of an open mind, especially for those that really love the action-packed games. This is one of those games where you can sit down and almost just become immersed in a story. You're you're playing a story. It's it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure in, really, in a lot of the ways. The way you describe that reminds me of like a little bit of a mist or a, a riven but I think always a good litmus for knowing um, if it really is a good game to the to the gamer is would you play it again? Okay, that's actually a really good question because I don't think I would play it again because the reason that you're playing this game is to live out this storyline. And once you've played through the storyline, um, it doesn't have much gameplay to pull you back in to play it again. And the storyline is something that you really just want to experience once. So you're saying it's an awesome enough game that once is enough? Yeah, actually, that's a really good way to put it. Yes. Awesome. 
Now, a game that you can play way more than once, whether it be single player or campaign, which is the same thing, multiplayer or campaign, is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Yeah. Well, Black Ops 3, not Modern Warfare 3. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just not new. Right. It's the same thing we've been getting with every single Call of Duty. And I I understand that's why they do it, because every single Call of Duty that comes out is among the top-selling games. So it's an instant cash grab. And they're trying to make it a little bit new and a little bit progressive with, you know, going further and further into the future. Uh, But this one... Can I just... Here's my rating. Mm -hmm. Not like a mean... But just a... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's, That's it. Yeah, I've only played it online, and it's the same Call of Duty experience for me, which... If it works, cool. I just, what I wonder is, when are they just going to stop Call of Duty? I guess when it stops being boughten. When people stop buying it, then they will stop making it. Did I say boughten? That's not a word. I just realized that. It works. Thank you. You're kind. Right now, it's still selling. And it will continue to sell for several more iterations of the same game. No matter how many times they release the same thing. I appreciate what they're trying to do. So, I, I would give it just, you know, meh. Yeah. It's like See, six and a half, seven to me if I was to scale it to one to ten. And you know, um, this actually brings me to something that I read. There are some leaks actually about the next Call of Duty. Very interesting news coming out this past week. So there's some, uh, apparently some leaked posters of a game called Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, which shows a guy in a spacesuit with a spaceship behind him. And this kind of goes to what we were saying they're always trying to go one step ahead. And they've gotten to the point where they're too afraid to go back to, say, World War II. Remember remember when World War II was completely overdone and outplayed and we were so tired of playing World War II games? And then along came Modern Warfare. And then all these, yeah, all Modern Warfare, and then they just kept stepping it up every time. They're literally going to something where they're like, what's more than modern... Uh, Infinite. Yeah, you know, there's nothing more than infinite. Let's go to infinite freaking warfare. I think what they need to do is eventually take the two best games of each era of modern and then anything beyond modern in the future and then the previous installations of World War II and smash them all together and do a time jump warfare. You know, I've actually thought that same exact thing. So, like, if you fail one mission, then you have to go play another mission because of a result of something that happened due to your success or... Oh, there go my headphones. Success or failure uh, that is something you have to deal with later in the future. See, and that's something that the Call of Duty games completely miss out on. There's no consequence for any action because the story is so set. Yeah, all you have to do is blow shit up. It's extremely linear. And you either die on your way there or you make it through. And that's the only thing that you're unsure of. Am I going to die in this spot or the next spot? Never does the player have to make a choice that affects the story or the game. And granted, that's not necessarily a first-person shooter's job to do, but it would be so cool. Imagine taking the Call of Duty engine and splicing it with a little bit of a story like Bioshock Infinite, which you're bending time. And you're seeing different results. Yeah, any, yeah, anything. Something, something to, to really make shake it, it up, um, instead of just new mech suits. I, you know, one of the things I, I think they should do. Uh, I know this sounds simple, but you know, let's bring back Modern Warfare in some remake. You know, this is the perfect time actually to transition into 
one of the next things we wanted to talk about, which is on the topic of remaking games. So Brandon, why don't you why don't you help set this up for us? Nice. So we're gonna give each other some video game titles, and I'm gonna give it to Brandon. He's gonna give it to me, and we'll discuss it real quick. Would you sequel it? Would you reboot it? Would you remaster it? Would you let it be? Or would you cancel it? Okay. So if I said to you, Half-Life, the obvious choice is, God, that needs a sequel. Yeah, yeah. that does. In the meantime, a, a, a remaster wouldn't be a bad thing. So let me give you a title and uh, tell me what you think. Okay, so I'm going to give you one. NBA Jam. Oh. He's on fire. The nail in the coffin. <laughs> yeah. Can't buy a bucket. <laughs> Let's just do this for the rest of the recording. Uh, that was such a great game. Yeah. They actually did remake that game, though. I remember. And, and it, was it was not very not good. good. And so nobody cared. In that case, I'm going to say what they should have actually done. And I think they should do now. Let it be. There will be an answer. <laughs> if they let it be. Absolutely. I agree with you. All right. Give me a title. Um, How about... Here's a here's one. Yes, Duke Nukem. Oh they, God! They tried. Yeah, with they Duke Nukem forever. They tried to bring forever. it back, and they were horrible. Would you consider that a reboot? Well, that was a or was it a sequel technically? Mm-hmm. Because like the new Tomb Raiders, those aren't sequels; they're reboots. They're reboots. Yeah. So, what would you consider Duke you know, Nukem I Forever? I even played it, and I don't even remember. That just goes to show that that game had a lot of problems. So I think with the fact that it did so horribly, what do you think? I'm going to be specific and say if they could remaster Duke Nukem 3D, because that was obviously everyone's favorite, most commercially successful, and that's where Duke really got introduced. Um, If they could remaster Duke Nukem 3D and do it well, I would be all over it. You know, I agree with you, because the only other option, in my opinion, is is cancel it. Like, just stop doing it. Yeah, no more Duke. No more Duke Nukem. Because today's world isn't going to be as accepting to the Duke Nukem character as we were in the 90s when we got him. So, you know, back then it was really cool to be machismo. You know, you had like the Terminator movies coming out and that was like something that was really cool. But in today's standards, he looks like he's being overly machismo. He's womanizing. I just don't think it has room in today's culture. I agree. So, Brandon, sequel, reboot, remaster, let it be or cancel, meaning they halt all future productions in the franchise. What would you want to see happen for Borderlands? Oh, uh, so a part of me says I want them to make a sequel, which I'm pre- I think they are making a sequel. Not to mention the pre-sequel, which came out only on 360, I think, uh, did sometime it? last year. Yeah, it wasn't um, next gen. So yeah, that- no, that didn't excite me at all. Right. And I think that if they can do another Borderlands that is to the scale of number one and number two, then I am totally on board. As long as they... Because we're very hard-pressed to find co-op games right now. Like couch co-op games. And the Borderlands make great couch co-op games. And did it very well. Made it a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. Give me one. All right. So uh, here's one for you, Brandon. Ugh. What do you... <laughs> I'm so ready for this. <laughs> okay. God, you look ready. What do you think about the Battletoads game? Would you want to see reboot, sequel, remaster, let it be, or cancel it? I guess you can't really cancel it because well, it's been, I mean, not it's every choice applies to every, of course. But when applicable, those are your options. Yeah, I think it would be incredible. And I think just what we'd have to look at is a, a reboot 
for it to get a treatment on a next-gen console. So Battletoads was one of the most addicting games. It's uh, hard. It was just ridiculously hard. You know, so Rare Replay did have a, you know a remastered version of that for well, the consoles. It was fun, yeah. um, but to, by today's standards, it it's really hard to go back that far and play a game like that. That's why I totally agree with you. We need a reboot of Battletoads. We should do this again more often, every once in a while, just uh, seeing what we like to see for our desired uh, console titles and franchises. Yeah, I cool. like this game. So and we're going to do this until they bring out Half-Life 3. Okay, that's going to be a while. We'll eventually run out of games to talk about, yeah. Now, this brings us, keeping in the video game world, to our topic of the week. Our what now? T-O-W, topic of. Our T-O-W topic. Of the week. Oh, okay. I was spelling it out <laughs> I acronymically. Gonna, I thought you were going to spell it topic. And I was like, no, you... Nah. Here's our topic of the week. You down with DLC? I just might be. You down with DLC? It depends on the price. You down with DLC? Hopefully the content's nice. So let's talk about DLC. DLC. Run DLC. (laughs) So uh, Gears of War just recently announced that their downloadable content will be an extra $50. And this is going to be on top of a already $60 price tag, price tag upon release. Yeah, and so that brings the question, how much is too much for DLC? And what makes for good DLC? But before we get into that, let's talk about the Gears of War 4 DLC and what's to come and what you're going to get for that $50. Okay, cool. Um, apparently first thing is a VIP vintage pack, a VVP, if you will, you get a vintage JD character skin. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to interrupt myself. How can you get a vintage character skin on a brand new character? <laughs> He's 25 years old. How what do the you hell? get a vintage skin? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a, th- maybe it's a throwback to his father from 25 years ago. Good call. And, you know. That's probably more to the point. You also get a vintage Nasher and drop shot. That's a new new gun in the game, by the way. Uh, you get vintage weapon skins for both of those. A vintage JD al- album? <laughs> Emblem, excuse me. And a vintage JD bounty that gives you extra XP. That's a lot of vintage. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else do you get? Well, the big thing that you're going to get is you get permanent DLC map ownership for 24, they say 24 plus, so at least 24 different maps, different multiplayer maps. Gotcha. The, the keyword is permanent ownership because they're going to be offering the new maps as they come out to the folks who do not pay for the DLC, but only on a rotating basis. What that looks like, I don't know, but I have a feeling that, that the coalition is trying to make it so that they're not segmenting their... Uh, player base by those who are willing to pay for dlc and those are not but i don't see it working all that well very shades of gray yeah it still sounds like you're separating them you can say oh no but you still have access well yeah but not this month it's kind of an interesting thing also uh you get a developer playlist according to the article we're reading this lets you play upcoming modes maps and variants all before they're released publicly so you can say you were there first yeah 
And that includes betas, I think, is, sure. is from what I read earlier was. And then the last thing is uh, six gear packs. Now, these let you unlock character and weapon skins as well as equipment and abilities. Um, so, you know, what do you think about all this, Brandon? I think I think this is a great list of DLC. Do you think it's worth $50 and why? On paper, no. I like the fact that they offer a lot of maps, 24 plus, And if you want to be able to have permanent, being that keyword, access to all mm-hmm. of them, that's cool. But are maps really worth $2 a piece? Because if it's $50 and that's what most people are going to be buying it for, how many maps can be good to justify wanting to play more than 24? I, I, I hated Judgment, the multiplayer, because it had five maps. And if you bought the uh, member judgment, the last yeah. years of war, <laughs> yeah, not, not many a lot people of people remember do. it. Yeah. And it wasn't horrible, but the multiplayer was really soft to me, and that was something I was really looking forward to. And they had a rotating server of five maps, count them. And when, when the DLC came out, which I did not buy, because like I um, was talking to you about earlier, I like to let someone else kind of go out and buy it right off the bat, mm-hmm. and then kind of gauge their reaction yeah. and see what I want to do based on that. They had a whole grand total of one extra map on their DLC, oh, which nobody played. And most of the times it was one versus seven, one human versus seven computers. And it was totally not worth it. However, when Gears of War 3 came out, for instance, they gave you several extra maps and they were actually maps you wanted to play. So it kind of fueled the need to want to go out and buy that DLC. I don't know if 24 maps is necessarily needed. What I do like about what Microsoft is doing is they're at least being upfront with what they're giving you. So we don't know how that's going to play out actually on screen, but on paper, we know what we're getting. Whereas some of the bigger titles as of recently, just for instance, Star Wars Battlefront did not tell you what you're getting, but yet was asking you to blindly give them 60 extra dollars. Right. No. And I, I, that's what scares me is you have to have such a high trust in a company that doesn't tell you what they're going to give you. So that kind of brings me to what's, what's, what's good and what's bad. And I'm going to start it off by saying, what is oh, my good? What? My testes. I'm sorry. I just oh. sat awkwardly on my testes. Like, <laughs> realistically, I'm okay. not trying to be funny. Oh, wow. Are you all right? Yeah. You want me to, like, massage him? Off camera? Yeah. Or, I mean, off mic, yes. <laughs> Go. So what... <laughs> my fault. <laughs> sorry, I just derailed us. That's okay. That's okay. So what I think is one of the good things when it comes to DLC is for companies to announce what is planned or at least announce what is currently being made when the announcement for the price comes out. What I don't like is, of course, being told that I am I have the option to spend $50, sometimes 60 in the case of Battlefront, without being told why I'm paying $60 up front. So they are asking you kind of this, trust us. But do you remember ba- uh, Batman Arkham Knight? Yeah, uh, very... The, the trust us yeah. DLC? For 10 minutes more? It, it was, and it was... button smashing? It was a waste of money to anybody who spent that. It was kind of embarrassing. On for, a good game. Oh Yeah, it took away from a really great game. And that's what I think really bothers me, is they're saying, we have this awesome game you're going to love. Now there's cinematic trailers, there's panels about it, there's build-up. You find out about it years before it comes out, and then you count down the months, the days, the minutes before it comes out. And then, but what DLC is saying, but we're not going to give you the full experience. You're not buying the full experience. You're buying the majority of this game, but we're not going to give you the full experience. If you want the full experience for this game, you got to spend extra money. It's like, no, I already bought the game. That's right. And that just on principle annoys me. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big collector of skins. I don't really care. 
especially because it's all the same because I'm going to die anyways, especially on multiplayer. <laughs> so I don't think it's cool if I look like, you know. Yeah, but you might look like a badass while you die. I've yet to. Yeah. My guy always falls awkwardly. <laughs> or girl. And to me, I'm not a skin collector. Um, I think that, that sounds creepy. Yeah. It puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> Put the lotion in the basket. What uh, is that from? You don't know. No. Why? Okay, that's going to have to be one of our quotes from Geek History. It's not really a geeky thing. What Psychological horror, thriller, Buffalo Bill. It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. You really don't know. Uh, the you are pushing the limits of our friendship right now, wow, Buster. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Silence of the Lambs. Oh, Buffalo Bill. Yeah, no, okay. Moving on. <laughs> How disgraceful for you. Sorry. Yeah, you don't know your serial killers who tuck their penises between their legs and dance to American Girl by Tom Petty? Oh, my God. I okay. Need, apparently, I need to see this I movie, need to but intervene. you're not selling it for me. I need to, well, that sells itself. I don't have to. <laughs> and I need to intervene on you right now, and I'm going to go home. Actually, you're going to give me a ride home. And I'm going to go get my copy of Science of the Lambs, and we're going to do an impromptu sleepover, and then we're going to talk about it on the next podcast. We're not, but <laughs> back to DLC and our topic of the week. I don't like DLC in theory. It's saying, please buy our game, but wait, there's more. That's like, if you, I don't know, it's, to me, it's like buying a prefix meal, right? You know what a prefix meal is? Right. You get everything. Oh, but wait, if you want the full experience of everything we can do in our kitchen, you have to spend an extra how many dollars? And it's just like, that's not what we agreed on. Right. You know? But here's, if I can argue the other, the counterpoint to that. Please. The way the games are created is there's there's investors that need to be pleased. There's companies that need to have an annual release or, or biannual or something like that. And so there are deadlines. And so very often, in order to get a good polished game out by, say, holiday season, they need to take some of these ideas that they have and just pull them back yeah. and say, no, I, we don't have the time. It's we not don't there have yet, the capability maybe. to put that in there. That's it's not polished enough. And so this is the way that they say, look, this is the game that we wanted to give you but never had the time to make. Or maybe we couldn't make it within that $60 price point because it wouldn't have been worth it to us. But it is worth it if you pay 5 bucks here, 20 bucks there, or in some cases 60 bucks here. And then we can keep on adding to this game. So that instead of, say, Star Wars Battlefront, for example, they could make that an annual annual release where new new maps come out every time and they'd probably sell pretty well or they could say we're going to make one battlefront and then all we're going to do for the next four years is give you a slow trickle of dlc and that's so like ea to withhold <laughs> yeah. from their gamers and so i get the point but i do agree with you that if you are withholding gameplay for money reasons that's just wrong where you say that we've created this entire game, what we're going to do is pull a couple of those back and then sell them back to you later because that, to me, that's just a cash grab. And what's a great example of that? Azura's Wrath. Yeah. DLC should never affect the core game, the story itself. Yes. And Azura's Wrath, for instance, if you want to see how the game ends, you have to buy the DLC. That's you literally don't have an ending. Well, you, they, there's, they say there's technically two endings, right? There's the first ending, which... Leaves it. It's not satisfying. It's not satisfying. It's designed to make you want to find out what really happened. And then really you happened. have to purchase the final ending. That's horrible. Yeah. How do you leave out the ending of a game? 
and that, say that's something you have to purchase extra. That to me is kind of chicken shit. Yeah. I, and I don't like it. Uh, what makes, well, and here's the thing. DLC can be purchased in one of two ways. As far as I know, you can buy the season pass, which guarantees you access to everything. But how many times when you've bought the season pass, do you actually end up using every last little bit of it? But then if you want to then buy it in installments or just certain sec- sections of the season pass, you end up probably paying more. Right. And then you chunk change it out. And that's not cool either. It makes you sometimes wish you would have just bought the whole season pass. So it's, it's almost like a gamble sometimes. Yeah. To me, like the extra XP, that's not cool because then that makes your competitors who went out and got it right away because they spent more money, not necessarily because they're better. They've moved up the ladder. They get access. And I'm right. talking specifically as it applies to multiplayer. They have access to better weapons, different maps, things like that. Not because they've earned it. If you want... Because they bought it. Yes. And and, and I, I 100% agree with you. That is one of the most annoying things for DLC is when you can literally pay to win. So if they say hey, you can buy this weapon for just $4. Or win it off a Mountain Dew bottle cap or some crap like that. <laughs> Something. But you can literally pay for this gun that will make you overpowered in the battlefield against other players who are not willing or unable to spend that extra money. That, to me, is unfair because you're not you're not on a level playing field. It's just ups- upsetting to me that it's incentive to spend more, not be a better player or spend more time with the game per se, even, but spend more money on the game. I don't like that. My voice is getting grovelly right now. I don't know if you can hear that. You sound like Batman. Sorry. That's Batman apologizing. (laughs) So Um, real quick though, you know, let me also say DLC for story driven games, not the multiplayer, but the story driven games I think are great. I'm almost always all for that because you're adding content to a story and um, you're not throwing off any sort of inequality among players that are playing against each other. So the example that I'm going to use is one that I've kind of brought up in this before is the Fallout 4 DLC. Bethesda actually created extended content that will fundamentally change the way you can play the game. And I appreciate that because of a game so rich like that, this was a point that I meant to make earlier, good DLC, whether it's a season pass or just an individual installment of downloadable content, should not punish those that don't want to get it. It should just be an extra bonus for those that do. But a game that's so broad and vast like Fallout 4, someone could play Fallout 4 without even thinking about the downloadable content if they say if they never knew about it, if they never heard it exist, and still thought, that is the most awesome game I've ever played. Exactly. So now you've already done a lot of the core stories, a lot of the core quests, and you're just looking to branch out a little bit or have something to fill a little more of your time spent at your colony? No, not your colony. Your My settlement. Your or settlement. Settlement. Thank you. Um, and I know you have more than one. Look at you, you <laughs> settlement owner. Um, <laughs> I am the king of so many settlements. Yeah, and now this is just enhancing it, but it's not like not having it takes away from your gaming experience. Right. The game as it was released was a great game from start to finish. Right. But what they decided to do is they said, hey, uh, let's add robots to the mix. And then they created a DLC. Robots make and then they better. said, let's um, let's allow people to throw animals and people and whatever into a cage fighting arena. And they just, they just had these great ideas. And they're like, let's just make it happen. It's not going to change the story. It's not going to throw off a player base. Um, it's just added content that, that makes it a slightly different gameplay and that's super fun. So enjoy your downloadable content, but just make sure you, you make the right choice because spending money is hard when you don't have a lot of it. 
All right. Well, you know what? Let's move on. Um, that was a good topic of the week, by the way. And I'm looking forward to next week's topic of the week, knowing a week from now we'll have seen Captain America Civil War oh. and be talking about it yeah. in depth. Yeah. It's time for Shadow of the Synopsis. It's large. It's dark. It tells you what's happening. It's Shadow <laughs> of the Synopsis. This so, time you're going to read me a synopsis. Yeah, so I'm going to take something, whether it's a movie, a comic book, video game, anything we cover in our podcast, and I'm going to give other Brandon the synopsis, and he needs to tell me where it's coming from and see if he can identify it. So, Brandon, are you ready for this week's Shadow of the Synopsis? Yeah. All right. This story is about your average lazy stoner teenager. His name is Anton Tobias. He's in love with the girl next door. She's a punk rock chick. Everything seems to be going fine until one day his hand becomes possessed and starts a killing spree, and it's up to him to stop it in time. I already know it. You do. Is it Idle Hands? It is Idle Hands. Yeah. I just thought that could have been easily like a, something else, but yeah. I, I remember because, uh, what is the... Uh, fee, uh, Vivica A. Fox, Jessica Alba? Is, is it Jessica Alba in there? Is his punk rock neighbor who he's in yeah, love with. she's so hot in yeah, that. And she created Albacore, sponsor of the show. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Tone, tone up your tummy. Now, do you remember Albacore. who else was in that? Who was a huge supporter no, of geek I culture? Don't. Seth Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was like yeah, yeah. all things geek culture. Devin Sawa before he dropped off the face of the earth. Now, you remember his hand killed his two best friends, like Puck and Nub or something like that. They gave him like goofy names. So remember one guy got the bottle shoved in his head. That was Seth Green. The other right, guy I got um, that, yeah. like a, a saw blade in his throat. Do you remember who that other guy was? No. It's the same guy who plays Foggy Nelson in Daredevil. Oh, really? Uh, Eldon Hansen is, is his name. And he also, he appeared in all three original Mighty Duck movies. I did remember that. So anyways, I just thought that was cool. So when I saw that, it reminded me of that movie, which reminds me of Daredevil, which we're going to have to talk about because I'm almost caught up completely. So yeah, a little bit okay. of geekiness spread all throughout that movie. Nice. Okay. Good knowledge. Yeah, yeah, you knew that one right away. Well, once you said the the hand started. It kind of gave I, it away. But it could be like the Adams Family. If someone didn't know, they're like, oh, wasn't there a hand that ran yeah. around? And, yeah. Or it sounds no, that like. that was a good one. Anyways, um, good knowledge. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, that makes us... Awesome. Three for three. Yeah. So you've given me two, I've given you one, and yep. I'll give you one next week, but we've gotten them every time. I'm pinging your ponging, dude. That means we've got... That means we've got to get a little bit tougher. We do. Toughen up on yeah. each other. All right. No so, lube. So now, as we wind the third episode down here on the Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon... Hey. Hey. <laughs> we like to close it out with... An awesome quote in geek history. Please, sure. Should I set it up? Go for it. Go for it. So here's here's the setup. Blade one. It was also called Blade. <laughs> yes, but when you make three of them. Yeah, that's true. You got to yeah. del- delineate. It was an awesome movie. Blade, played by Wesley Snipes, was a badass in this movie. Clearly. And this quote sums up his badassness. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yes. So cool. So in case you couldn't make out exactly what he said, uh, he said, some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Right before throwing a, a, a syringe in the air, roundhouse kicking it into some vampire's forehead. Direct line. Just right between the eyes. So cool. So cool. I mean, the fact that he can throw a syringe up in the air and then kick it and know he's not going to Yeah, the last time himself. we tried that, man, we were at urgent care. We were needing to be urgently cared for. 
<laughs> That's going to do it for us this week. Again, let's give you the sociables. You can find us on Twitter. We are at randomfandomwbb. We'll share our thoughts and our links to where you can find our podcast. You can find our podcast online, and you can email us when you want to, and you should want to all the time. Be part of the show if you have any questions or anything you want us to get into. Randomfandomcast at gmail.com. All the other stuff is on its way, but until we get huge, that's where you can find us and interact with us. Brandon? You know, uh, something I want to bring up. Please. There's literally a free comic book day coming up in May. May 7th, I believe. I posted it on our Twitter, and and there you can find, you can like search for your area and find all of the comic book stores that are participating and to what level they're participating. If you're interested, check our Twitter. Go ahead and click on that link. And claim your free comic. Yeah. What an awesome day i wish my birthday was may 7th i'd get free birthday gifts and when we talk to you guys no when we talk to you guys next time we will have uh up to date up dates about game of thrones we will have up to date reviews and thoughts about captain america civil war and a lot of other stuff so until then have yourself a nice week thanks for listening to the random fandom podcast with brandon and brandon we'll talk to you guys next time bye guys thanks for listening DLC, how can I explain it? Let's take it game by game it To have y'all jumping in and playing it D is for down and L is for loadable It's simple The last C, well, that word is fickle Ha! How many gamers out there know just what I'm getting at? Who think it's wrong just with the players that aren't paying that? Well, if you do, that's DLC and you're not down with that But if you don't still pay your membership You down with DLC? I just might be You down with DLC? I just might be You down with DLC? I just might be Who's down with DLC? Want that extra XP You down with DLC? I just might be You down with DLC? I just might be You down with DLC? I just might be Who's down with DLC? Well, it depends on the circumstances <laughs> and the game, of course. Sometimes downloadable content may be a way for the game studio to simply add extra playtime or features to a game, in which case it may be worth the money. But in some cases, especially in games,